Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective, an NBA conversation show where Winhurst and a team of insiders sort out life in and around the NBA. Now three times a week and also available on YouTube. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week. We have a guest join us. We got the best college football writer in America. Check him out at Channel 6. Check him out on the SEC Network. Check out the Shutdown Fullcast. Spencer Hall, what's going on? Oh, and Debatable, my bad. Got that one too. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's an F1 podcast too. I'm yes. very tired. I'm very, <laughs> very tired. But I'm doing very well. No, the new like podcast is living thing is interesting. Like my buddy Dominique, Dominique out here. Dominique is a regular on three podcasts and I believe two television shows. And if you count debatable as a podcast, which is not exactly it, but four podcasts. Yeah, but you know he. All of those are for ESPN, I believe. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, like, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, these are for like three different people and yeah. mo- and like one of them, the majority of them is mine. So that's <laughs> dumb. I'm like, well, who's to blame for this? Me. I'm the one who's to blame for this situation, Bo. Yeah, that's no, the worst decision. You, you walk three different strolls, three different daddies. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's, it's not something that happens every day. My, my dance card is full, honey. But you know, fall through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, we got a lot to get to, including people getting slapped in the face. Uh, we will talk to you about that. I may spring Spencer with something that he hadn't thought of. He hadn't talk, we hadn't talked about what we were going to talk about, but I think he'll still find interesting. But first... uh. Tennessee is back. Like, I used to root for Texas, and it would always be the Texas is back joke or whatever it is. But what's wild about everybody looking at Texas about that is, back for Texas, they had a little run. But Tennessee, like, Tennessee had the second best history of the entire SEC, right? Tennessee, mm-hmm. when I'm growing up, was the school really in the SEC other than all that losing to Florida. Like, they were the number two school in the conference for the 90s, and honestly, for a lot of the 2000s, they were right up there, and then they hired Lane Kiffin, and nothing was the same. And now Tennessee is back, and I realize there's a generation that has no idea that, no, 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 this this used to happen, like, kind of all the time. Uh, they don't know what they woke up, you know? Like, this is a classic movie scene when you're entering some sort of deep archaeological site, and there's ominous music playing, and there's somebody with one flashlight in the dark, and they find something. And the audience goes, oh, this is bad news. And, you know, but the person on screen goes, ooh, that looks neat. I think I'll touch it. <laughs> that thing is Tennessee football. Because growing up, was, you know, I grew up in Tennessee. That, that was a menace. Like, you could not tell those people anything. They all did their little weekend conversion vans and, you know, uh, that sort of Cheeto orange and white. You know, like, <laughs> this was, you know, everybody had coonskin caps. This was very much a Daniel Boone festival every weekend for Tennessee. And then, yeah, around 2003, 2004, they start to slide because in large part, they start to lose a lot of their traditional hunting grounds, i.e. for talent at Atlanta. They start to really sort of not recruit as well out of North Carolina or even Memphis in state. Um, 
they have an unfortunate hiccup in Lane Kiffin becoming their coach, doing a pretty decent job for a year, mm-hmm. and then skipping out to the USC gig. And then they kind of went in a tailspin and didn't recover until they hired Josh Heupel, who, if I can tell you this, um, I'm okay with this team. I mean, I'm a Florida fan. I don't like to see Tennessee two down because that weakens our schedule. This team's something special. Like, they <laughs> uh, they play a style of football that I don't think we've seen since, like, 2012, 2013. Spread out all over the place. Aggressive downfield. Like, a lot of people don't view throwing downfield as a base play, right? For the same <laughs> reason that you don't view doubling down in blackjack as a base play. <laughs> but if you can do it reliably, then it's one of your go-tos. And it's one of their go-tos with a dude who's a cast-off from Virginia Tech and against Alabama, a wide receiver who couldn't really stay on the field last year in Jalen Hyatt. So is this real? Is this something for the comeback? Yeah, you woke something up. And now, we're all we're all super pro-Tennessee this week, including me. That'll be fine. In two weeks, we'll be like, oh, no. Oh, no. We did it. So let's help people out with a little bit of the, I believe, is the anthropology. I admit the mm-hmm. anthropology is one of those words that I honestly don't know what it means. Right. Like if you are an anthropologist, you study anthropology. Right. Vaguely get it. But I think I'm in the right space here. Let me help people understand like the concept of Tennessee football culturally. If you do not really follow college football. okay. we all across America have a tendency to think about states in the context of whatever the dot is in that Mm -hmm. state. Like, I remember, or you think you're going to be in, like, the general vicinity. Like, when I went to graduate school in Claremont, California, they told me it was close to L.A. I thought I was, mov- <laughs> I thought I was moving sure. to L.A. I was moving to the place, the farthest east point of Los Angeles County, and the whole reason people lived there was because it was not Los Angeles. I, I just totally misunderstood. It's like when my, uh, a friend of mine in college, he had some buddies that went to the University of North Florida in Jacksonville, and we would think about going down there. And I was talking to my brother and I was thinking like, yo, like we're going to be going to Miami. You know, my brother was like, yo, North Florida, South Georgia. What's the difference? I never considered that. Like, that's how, you know, this is how it goes. So you may have in your mind that the dot for Tennessee is Memphis. It is not. Uh, uh, not for ten- not for University of Tennessee generally and football in specific. And in fact, it is Ole Miss that thinks of Memphis as being local territory, which is to say this about the rest of Tennessee. Right. That is right. There's that three, ain't three, that, three, that, three that ain't Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ain't, that's right. Because there's there's Western Tennessee. There's Middle Tennessee, not Central mm-hmm. guys, Middle and Eastern Tennessee. And they are the Daniel Boone people uh, that Spencer is referring to. And they got this song that they play called Rocky Top. Now, I thought that Rocky Top was like some school song, but actually it's <laughs> no. really kind of like how uh, Ohio State plays Hang On Sloopy. It's kind of like talking out the side of your neck. It was a jam to the people, and then the band took it on, and it becomes associated with college. They play that goddamn song so many days. I don't know if they play it after every first down. Like, I don't know what the occasion is for playing Rocky Top. But you better love it if you go to watch Tennessee or if Tennessee is going to be consistently good. Because otherwise, you have no choice but to hate it. They play that more than they play damn Boomer Sooner. And you know how much I hate Boomer Sooner. I think I hate Rocky Top any, even more. And this is why it is all the better than, like, Tennessee coming around and being good is so much fun because everything about their program honestly just feels a little bit tacky 
Well, just a it, wee bit tacky. Well, let me let me put you in the right framework, okay? They used to play Copperhead Road by Steve Earle pregame, mm-hmm. right? Which is a song about a bootlegging family through the generations that turns to raisin weed in the holler, right? <laughs> and basically says, come and get me DEA. That's the theme of <laughs> Copperhead Road, is daring the man to come and get you. Um, if Ohio State is playing Come On Sloopy, whose lyrics are are let your hair hang down girl come on sloopy like you know pablum happy pablum is what hang on sloopy is uh these are the lyrics to rocky top more specifically uh the second verse note i didn't say like normally when you have a verse that's kind of weird they're like well this is the fifth verse and they don't sing it this is the second verse of the song Bo. okay (laughs) you ready and it's sung fondly once two strangers climbed old rocky top looking for a moonshine still Strangers ain't come down from Rocky Top. Reckon they never will. That's that's the second verse, man. Yes. Yeah. Those strangers, they probably work for the government. And they yeah. don't anymore. Because no. someone killed them. That's Dude. the that's the second verse. It's it's what if your school song was grinding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's what this is. Like that is the one thing. Southern white people and our Italian brothers. Now, our Italian brothers have a different situation on this because in many ways their culture became defined by like mafia stuff, so they don't really like it necessarily. But the general public does find a certain charm in the criminal stereotypes of those people, right? But they don't really like lean into it. Mountain Southern white people, we talking about something different, man. There is, other than uh, that hillbilly elegy guy, there ain't a whole lot of respectability politics when it comes to the notions of like moonshine and, and all of that stuff. Nope, we're going to make that the song and sing it at the college games. That is that is the brand. That is the brand for Tennessee. <laughs> and you need to understand, like, sometimes teams are more compatible with that kind of historical attitude or not. This team likes to score 40, 50 points on you. It is definitely not what Tennessee football um, I think traditionally it's supposed to be, which is a grim 20 to 14 Phil Fulmer. Phil Fulmer's famous for like their 98 team scored 50 points once mm-hmm. against Kentucky, right? The great 98 team, which is the, they're really their only modern champion. Um, this is not that team. This team is a lighted up. They were down against Alabama and their response was to throw 40 yards down the field. <laughs> you know, so they got, so in a way, like I think culturally they're more of a fit because yeah, guns blazing. Let's go. Uh, in terms of the Tennessee football tradition, definitely an outlier. Love it, though. Love it, though. Love it, love it, love it. Like, I said, you, you know, I got to college Jamal Lewis's freshman year at Tennessee. Uh-huh. And so I'm in Atlanta, and, like, my dad knew who Jamal Lewis was, right? Like, Jamal Lewis was the biggest deal you could possibly imagine. There is no way the 2020 version of Jamal Lewis is passing up Georgia to go to Tennessee. And at that time, doing so made all the sense in the world. Peyton Manning was handing the ball to Jamal Lewis and Travis Henry, even if only for a year. Yeah. And, and they still lost to Florida. And they still lost to Florida, which, hey, this year, easily overcome, friend. All we <laughs> needed to do was throw another 40-yard touchdown. They make it look so easy when it comes to Oh, okay, well, we're down 10 or we're down 7. No problem. We, we got that back. That's in the bag. We, more of that, where that came from. I do love, like from a football perspective, I love an optimistic team. I don't love a pessimistic team. Sometimes pessimistic teams are funny. And when I say pessimistic, I mean cynical. I mean the Iowa's of the world who are like, we don't want the ball. 
Why do we want that? <laughs> Only bad things happen when we have the ball. We'll wait for you to make a mistake, right? I get that. It's an effective strategy. Sometimes it can be very endearing. Jamal Lewis played for one of those teams in the form of that Super Bowl Ravens team yes. where they ran the ball 5,000 times, let Trent Dilfer uh, throw the ball eight times a game, and otherwise just beat the crap out of you. That could be entertaining if you're a certain kind of person. Uh, for me, I like a team that's like, oh, that's neat. We're down 14. Okay, I guess we, guess we need to start playing, boys. All right, let's start playing. <laughs> and then they just get it back. Just reeling off 21, 35 points like it's nothing. Against Alabama, you should know this. They tried to give that game away. They tried to hand it to Alabama. And I mean that literally because at one point in the fourth quarter, uh, Handed Hooker just dropped the ball. They, they messed up on a, a little QB option read. Drop the ball. They give it back. And suddenly, I believe they're down uh, 49-41, right, to hand it back. No problem. We'll just go down and score again, right? That's fine. We got a fourth and one. Oh, it's fourth and five because we committed a false start penalty. We'll keep throwing. <laughs> we'll keep throwing. And you won't be able to defend it or we'll get a flag. They got a flag. They kept going. They end up scoring. Um, they don't flinch. They are the most unshook team I have seen this year in terms of we made a mistake. That's fine. Like, I don't, we won't get any perfect teams. This is college football, right? People say, well, George is really good. Yeah, they're not perfect. Go look at their wide receivers, right? Lad McConkey is doing serious minutes for them. This is no slight to Lad McConkey, but if Lad McConkey is your go to as a wide receiver, there are issues. It's, it's, that da- it's that damn state law. That state law that says it is illegal for the University of Georgia to run a pass pattern without at least one white man in it. Yeah, and they've got two if you count your tight ends. Cause oh, yeah, well, he's a beast. But every year, Georgia, Georgia, every year, you can hear the announcer be like, the quarterback and the wide receiver are roommates. Yeah. <laughs> they got that Texas thing going on. Yes. Oh, Jordan Shipley of the Houston Shipleys, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I laugh because Brock ba- at Brock Bowers, not because he's mockable. He's a very serious football player, and you should be afraid of him if your team plays him because he's mean. <laughs> he's a very, very large, very, very fast man with great hands who sometimes even carries the ball. Um, he's their real true receiving threat uh, with Darnell Washington, the other tight end who is the size of a house <laughs> on the other side. All right, So they do have a, a serious passing attack in the interior. They just can't stretch you on the outside. Uh, and maybe don't need to. Who knows? Maybe Georgia will be able to sleepwalk through the rest of their schedule, look kind of mid, and then hit the playoff and the championship game in the SEC and absolutely destroy people. Entirely possible, okay? With their perfectly fine wide receiver, Lad McConkie. Don't send me an email. I don't read them. Um, anyway, the thing that is amazing to me about Brock Bowers is that he's from Napa. If you look him up, you go, Brock Bowers, man, where's that guy from? You're like, it's from Napa Valley, California. Napa Valley. They went and they found the most Georgia dude on the planet, and he's mm-hmm. from Napa. For context, Gabe is from Napa. <laughs> Just vibes, man. Just vibes. Yep. You're, sp- you're not supposed to be that upset about anything. You're not nope. supposed to be that violent if you're from Napa. Life's good. Nope. You don't need to be out here taking hits in the head from safeties in the SEC. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. 
personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about, though, a fun scenario that is a highly unlikely scenario, but a fun scenario nonetheless. What if Alabama loses three games? Oh, this is, are you doing the, uh, the, the fire drill scenario? All of, it's, I mean, look, it's not terribly implausible that they could, right? Because losing to Ole Miss is, like, that can happen and we've seen that you could put points up on them, which is to say, I'm not saying they're going to lose to Mississippi State, but Mike Leach is an anything can happen sort of character. I don't think they're going to lose to LSU, but LSU is talented and not terrible, right? I don't want Alabama to lose because I want Alabama to lose. But if Tennessee is going to come back and remind people of how things could be, I kind of would enjoy people being reminded Dude, you have no idea how fast this Alabama thing can turn on you. Because Nick Saban, the most incredible thing that he has pulled off is not once allowing them to be themselves. But if they lose three... Well, there's a nagging thought here. And it's one that I think Alabama fans have already had, at least like over the past two years. The thing keeping them in games right now is Bryce Young. It's not the genius of the machine. It's not the defense. It's not the brand, right? It's not the Alabama team in all three phases of the game will dominate and win, and it will be very hard to pick out one guy, right? Like the best Nick Saban teams, though they had marquee talent and names you could pull out, there wasn't one guy that you just hung the whole operation on. Right now, um, and I think this is doing some short shrift Will Anderson, but I'm going to acknowledge that, and we're going to move on because the point is still there. Right now, Bryce Young is the thing keeping them at games. If Bryce Young isn't there, they've already lost twice. Well, I was about like, to say, they just, they just lost the game giving up 52 points. So I think it's okay to say Bryce Young over Will Anderson at this moment, right? Not that Will Anderson isn't good, but clearly the whole operation is not hinging on him because he's still being Will Anderson, and they're giving up 52 points. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If he's still being Will Anderson and you give up 52 points, that means that there isn't, there isn't the jackal who's going to eat up all of the easy meat that Will Anderson pushes this way. Right. Right. Like, that's the thing. You should have somebody else on the other side uh, or from the interior who's really going to eat up all of that opportunity that Will Anderson buys you in terms of scaring the hell out of everyone on his side and pushing the ball carrier this way. They don't really have that. And they don't have that sort of opportunistic dude or dudes that they've had in the past. The best has already happened for Alabama. I think that's the fear, and I think that is the reality for a lot of, of people looking at the Alabama football program. Nick Saban's over. Nick Saban is 70, 
I believe this year. Like uh, this is a turn 70 on Halloween, maybe um, in go look at the performance of coaches past 70. It's a demanding job and there are very few who've made it that far, much less thrived in the position after that. The best for Alabama's already happened under Nick Saban. That's a haunting thought for Alabama fans. Um, I think it's one that they are, they're, they're going to say, well, no, we're not surprised. I know, I know you've been thinking about this for a while. Um, Everything from here on out is either flat downhill or, as you're saying, if they lose three games, absolute mayhem. Yo, that's how greedy they are. They are haunted by the idea that this unprecedented run might be. It's been, but we're now in year 15. I Like I say, the run really begins in 08, but if you go back and look at 07, it was a bunch of one possession losses You know, before the NCAA took it all back. But mm-hmm. you go from 08 to now. We're in year 15 of this. We haven't really seen anything like it, right? Like the closest is like the Bobby Bowden run at Florida State. Um, but they were doing stuff like losing at home to Southern Miss every now and then. Alabama ain't really do none of that stuff. They ain't really no sneaking up on them, none of this little stuff. And they are terrified at the idea that this ain't going to last forever. And you know why? Because they got two kinds of runs at Alabama. Runs like these and chaos. There's really no in between here. Yeah, and you know you can't look at me realistically and say no, 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 no. We're we're going to keep Nick because we see another couple of national titles down the road. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Right now, we've reached the point where they go. Well, maybe we get another one. But do you think a seventy-three, seventy-four, seventy-five-year-old Nick Saban is the future? <laughs> I don't. And that's a discussion they're going to have to have. Additionally, um, this is this is just. Yeah, I hate you know I hate to look at it this way, but like, how much longer do you want to do this to yourself, man? That's a miserable job. How much longer do you want to do this, especially when you know you are thinking about all of the things you're going to have to deal with down the road in terms of managing boosters? Do you really want to go back to that have start having the same discussions you had when you came in in '05 or I'm sorry '07? Do you want to come in and say, okay, hey, I'm in charge? You don't want to reiterate that because if I'm reiterating that after all this time, it means you no longer believe it. Additionally, do I want to mess with NIL? I know it bugs the hell out of him. I know it's an irritant to him personally that he has to consider this when and change, even though he is one of the best at changing in college football. It doesn't mean he likes it, right? Um, and additionally, you got to start thinking, okay, well, you know, do I want to do all of this and do I have the resources physically and in terms of energy and attention? That's, that's to me, like I'm tired on a Thursday, man. And I'm like half, I'm not, not half Nick's age, but you know, I'm a good 60% Nick's age and I, I cannot, he's built different, but everyone's mortal and everyone has their limits. And that job sucks. Sucks. Like not that you can't win. Like if you're Nick Saban, it's a great job in terms of what you can do. But if you're any human being, including Nick Saban, man, like it's a little shocking that you make it to 70 working that job. Mm-hmm. Also, you want to state like, okay, so let's go through this discussion. Follow me down this decision tree, okay? Nick's won a lot of games for us. We owe him. Well, what do we owe him? I think any other program except for a five or six would say, you know, we owe him two years. Probably owe him two years to get him down the road, right? And to come to some sort of decision. Um, as to what we want to do and what we see the vision of the program being. This is Alabama. I don't know if we have that kind of time because the thing that's prioritized at every single point uh, is the pro 
ram, right? People will say, uh, people will say, uh, you know, no, they wouldn't do that. Watch, watch. That's what, why do you think they're in the position they're in? Because everything at that school is keyed to football. Spencer Bear Bryant had a down year, quit and died within, I believe, a month. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like Bryant retired after they went. They had like a national championship, and then it was a down year. Like they went to the Liberty Bowl, and he said, "I am not producing at the level that this program deserves." He also had health problems. Don't get me wrong, but my point being, Bear Bryant looked around and knew. Even I don't have no five years based on what it is that I put up previously. Texas gave Mac Brown five years, basically, to get it right before they had told him he had to go. Alabama's giving you two. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I The impatience and the amount, because at one point it will come this. The amount of money and capital invested into this program requires somebody who is maniacally devoted to it and capable of producing the results we expect the results that alabama expects whether they're fair or realistic or not have been raised to absurd levels by nick saban absurd every coach ends up getting defeated by their own standard of success that's just the truth for everyone right including bear bryant but even bear didn't escape it so if nick has established that as the baseline for the program and Nick can't deliver on that, which even the words coming out of my mouth seem wrong because like a couple times you've been like, ah, he's not going to adjust. Oops, nope, whole new offense. Another three titles. Go ahead, just rack them up every other year. Um, But if he's not capable of that, it means too much to the school for them to keep doing that. It is, and again, it sounds weird probably for you to hear as a listener. It sounds very weird for me to say, but... It does feel like we're starting to get into super late stage, like Saban era football. Now watch him do this and they'll hire everyone from Tennessee staff and go out and win another three national titles now that I've said it. Yes, yes, yes. I I just want the world to see the potential for what Alabama football can be. Because it, I mean, man, I just don't think people... People think they know how important it is. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't. They so, don't. They don't. They don't. Just to give you an idea of how bad it can get and how quickly, Texas A&M, a place that has had an extraordinary amount of patience with Jimbo Fisher after handing him $95-$7 million, um, a caller on Feinbaum did say a hitman would be cheaper than buying him out. Okay. <laughs> That's about 20% of the smoke that I think you could expect if Alabama football starts to get uh, even merely good to mediocre. No one's thrown a brick through Jimbo's window yet. The nicest man <laughs> anyone's ever met, Bill Curry, got a brick thrown through his window. I believe after losing to Auburn. Yes, yeah, so like I've told this the the run on Bill Curry, but it's important to note. Bill Curry coached at Alabama for three years, and he did not inherit healthy Alabama, right? Like mm-hmm. there was some fixing that needed to be done. In year three, Alabama started ten and zero, but they had lost to Auburn the two previous seasons. They started ten and zero. They go into the Auburn game. Important wrinkle about the Auburn game. The Auburn game had been played at Legion Field in Birmingham for decades, which Mm -hmm. skewed very heavily toward Alabama fans. And 1989 was the first time they played the game on campus 
at Auburn. And I've heard Paul Feinbaum describe that as locals saying it was like the Berlin Wall came crashing down. So it is the first home game in the Iron Bowl ever at Auburn. There was no circumstance under which Alabama was ever going to win that game, right? Like, like that's, yeah. that, you can mark that loss at the beginning of the season. It didn't matter who you marched in there. Y'all weren't going to win. So Alabama did not win. They went 10-1. and one. They played in the Sugar Bowl against Miami, who eventually won the national title by winning the Sugar Bowl. Alabama went 10-2. and two. Bill Curry was rewarded with a contract extension that had no raise and took away his authority to hire and fire his own assistants, which is to say... Bill Curry got fired after going 10-2 and and winning the SEC. Yep, yep. And just to beat someone to this point here. So you say, okay, well, Alabama fans, there's a core of boosters, right? And those boosters are united, and they'll be very patient, sage, and wise in this. What happens over time to a booster core is that if there's a lot of success, you get a lot of younger people with money who start to donate to the program. This happened to Florida. Um, under Urban Meyer, and it's one of the things that contributed to Florida making three different hires in a span of 10 years, now fourth if you count Billy Napier. In that span of time, it's not like younger boosters. The things that you're looking for as a program, right? We need new money. I can't have all this old money sitting around. This old money's here. I need to get new money writing checks to this program. Okay, you get all that new money writing checks to a program. What happens... When they experience adversity for the first time. You ever seen a young person experience adversity for the first time? I have. <laughs> it's a two-year-old slamming their fork on the table, right? It's it's a kid screaming because he can't zip up his jacket. That's what you get. That's what you get with young boosters. So it's not like the composition of a booster core after a lot of success and new money is going to get any more patient even if we're dealing with the legend maybe especially if we're dealing with the legend because the image and the memory of that success is sitting right there staring (laughs) people in yeah it can get ghastly you can lose to ucf you can lose to southern miss that's something alabama can do well the last time somebody did that he did get fired but he did get fired it it, it did it did happen i mean don't get me wrong he got fired for a lot of other losers. He got too. fired and they put all the laundry out there. It wasn't just like they fired him. <laughs> they were like, oh, while we're at it, let's oh, go ahead right. and roll out all this other stuff. He was he had a little like a proto Me Too situation, didn't he? Uh that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. No, it's, it's a dirty game, dog. It's, it's a, a dirt, Yeah, dirty they won't game. Just, they won't just fire you, man. They'll make sure everybody sees your clothes <laughs> on the sidewalk. Dude, they reduced that dude, my dude both. Like, he coached at the high school that he went to the last time I looked him up at the wiki, and I think he got fired from that. He was coaching at Millsaps. Yeah. You would like a, a positive exit. By the way, not really. This kind of ugly, as ugly as an exit for Dick Saban might be because it's Alabama, because it's the, the end is never pretty whenever it happens, whether it's two years from now, four years from now, or next year. He's so ensconced in terms of business with everybody there because uh, – Bo, you know, I don't want to put you out there, but, uh, you know, you you got to deal with HBO. You probably mm-hmm. have uh, a, a little bit of money in the bank that maybe you go, oh, I need a new car. Can I suggest purchasing a fine Mercedes-Benz, reliable German excellence, from Nick Saban Mercedes-Benz? Yes. Of, uh, of Hoover, Alabama. I don't think it's in Hoover. <laughs> but, yeah, like, he's got a dealership, man. That was part of the setup. Yeah. What you get when you're part of the family, right? is you get 
they buy your house, which they bought for Nick. Remember, they bought, bought Nick's house. house. Bought it, okay? If he needs money, he can go and say, hey, I, I, need a very, I need a loan with very friendly terms. You can get that because the people who run the state of Alabama are, by and large, Alabama fans ensconced in the banking industry, the shipping industry, and Mobile, um, and, and other large conglomerates. This is uh, even mining, right? Like some of the oldest money in the Alabama uh, uh, booster base is from coal mining. You forget. Birmingham, oh, sorry, historical detour, but I got to take it. Birmingham was one of the last cities in the United States that had like active coal mines in its city limits <laughs> that was run with convict labor in the 20s. <laughs> In the 20s. Uh, that, that sounds dangerously close to slaves. I'll just let everybody take their own sort of, you know, conclusions yeah. from that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's super <laughs> bad. I'm, I'm laughing because my only same. option is laughter. Same, same, same. I didn't you know what to do either. I felt like I messed it up, but I felt like I had to say what needed to be said because I had already started laughing and I didn't need to get called on it. <laughs> no, it's brutal. It's brutal. But, like, that, that, kind, of, that kind of money will make you part of the money. Right. Because as wealthy as you think these coaches are, it's nothing compared to the people who pay their bills. It's nothing. Yep. And tell the people what the family business is for the Bear Bryant family. Paul Bryant Jr. What does he run? (sighs) I'm going to give it to you in two steps. Current day, responsible banking, family bank, even after getting out of a much larger bank. Do you need money in a checking account? That's fine. You can come to Bryant Bank. That's his small retirement project, by the way, is Bryant Bank, a small bank, which is still like tons of money, right? Before that, to get there, dog tracks. That's right. <laughs> That's how we got to respectable banking is dog tracks. <laughs> Just printing money at the dog track. Yes. My, like I know for a fact, my dad probably gave money to Paul Bryant the Third when he took us to a dog track when I was about eight. Yeah. When we were on vacation down in the panhandle. That's right. We drove over, I think, to Dothan to go to the dog track. That dog track is probably owned by Paul Bryant Jr. You can eventually get to, like, you being Paul Bryant Jr., you can get a bank. A whole-ass bank, even after being the dog track, man. Well, the secret was, whenever Paul Bryant, whenever uh, Bear Bryant wanted a raise, he wouldn't ask for money. He would say, hey, could you give me a little piece of that? Can you get me on that board? Can you chip me in some stock, right? Like, so over time, Bear Bryant amassed a lot of money in the state of Alabama simply by being around and being connected to these kind of things. And that's really carried over to if you're successful, that was the go for Nick. Hey, you know what your retirement plan is? A Mercedes-Benz dealership. He was Beyonce before Beyonce. Pay me in equity. Also in note of note for Nick Saban. Let's just say he has a lot more money now than when he took that job. He has a lot more money. Notable, notable, by the way, that somebody who works for LSU and the Miami Dolphins, two organizations whose recent history has painted a very, very mixed and intrigued portrayal of their inner workings, that you come out of the LSU and the Miami job and the 2000s, and you might not have as much money as you think. Yes. Just, you know, if, if one were to do the math. And then you go to Alabama, and they're like, we can help you all we need you to do is to win a national title every other year that's all just win a national title every other year all right i will switch gears on people it's a bit of a detour for college football but i'm actually gonna bring it back i just saw something with dana white wants to start like a national slap fighting league Mm -hmm. 
And, and you tell me if I'm wrong here. It's kind of like what uh, Hot 97 used to do where people just stand in front of each other and put their arms behind their backs and let somebody else slap them and then they do the same on the other side. Mm-hmm. We really about to do this on a professional level? Uh, well, listen, we, we're just importing it. It's already been done on a professional level. This was a big thing. Uh, it's probably never a good sentence when you say this in terms of uh, a contact sport, but it's a big thing in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody says, hey, man, I got this like Russian sport you need to watch, just brace yourself. Brace yourself for whatever's <laughs> coming because um, it's probably going to wow you maybe in ways that you're not ready for. Yeah. Uh, current champion in this sport, if you are like me and you watch every video put on the internet, you've seen big bearded dudes slapping the crap out of each other in front of uh, sort of thrilled and horrified Russian audiences. Uh, the current champion, by the way, uh, I believe his name is uh, is Koa Vernes. He's one of the champions. World champion David Zaleski is the other guy. That's not the guy that I'm fascinated with. Vasily Komotsky is the guy that I think probably most people who are familiar with this were introduced to. Vasily Komotsky is this enormous dude with a beard. His nickname is The Dumpling. Vasily The Dumpling <laughs> Komotsky is the dude's name. Um, yeah, we're about to do this. Just in case you wonder whether we're living through the 1920s again. <laughs> yeah, Vasily Komotsky. So, so this was my thought uh, when I had seen this and that they're going to make a league out of it. I was less offended by the like utter lack of, you know, humanity in this whole thing, right? Just what a depraved thing this is that we are talking about and the fact that people would absolutely watch it and how all bad that is and how it is so funny that everybody hates the NFL and concussions. And we all do prayer circles, but somebody gets knocked out in a boxing match and we put Simba on top of him. Shout out to you, Manny Pacquiao, right? Like we're not the most consistent people in the world. I get that, but I was not bothered by that. I think people need to understand that aesthetics matter and some things are supposed to be underground, right? Like some things are supposed to be a little shady. Some things are supposed to be, hey, the password is this, you know, the secret knock, you get in and you watch dudes slap each other in the face. Like I kind of feel this way about uh, NIL stuff, right? It was more fun when the money was coming in, uh, grocery bags being dropped off on people's porches and everything else, right? It's kind of like, like you go to California and you go in the dispensaries and they got this whole range of products and I get it and it's really cool and you can get anything and it's a lot easier and it's a bit more convenient and everything else. However, you ain't gonna tell me that people don't miss pretending like they mobsters or something like that and folding their money up in their hand and dapping up the weed man and getting something back at one time as if somebody out here taking pictures of your weed man. You know what I'm saying? There's a charm to it. There's an appeal. You ain't supposed to have this kind of thing with 20,000 people in the place, man. It's supposed to be dusty. It's supposed to be chicken wire. You know, like that's that's what you're supposed to have with people getting smacked up in the face like that. I don't think people are ready for how uh, much damage you can do with the slap. No. My, our mutual friend, Stephen Godfrey, when he was, uh, he worked for TNA Wrestling for a long time. And he said that in fights, a lot of the times, if rest people stepped to wrestlers, they'd slap them. And a lot of the times they'd knock them out. Because one, you can't get more practice in slapping than a wrestler. It's just True. not possible. These are, these are like the alpha slappers in the world. Uh, two, that people weren't prepared for it. You're not prepared to watch how hard somebody could get knocked out with a slap. Are there rules in this too, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> there's like slapping protocols. You've got, you can't, you can't uh, heat, you can't club. Heel. 
Daddy. with the heel of the hand, right? It's got to be a true, clean transfer of power through the end of the hand, not through the butt of the hand. Strictly the disrespectful part. Strictly, yeah, yeah. I, I see. This is what I'm waiting on. I want, I want somebody to go backhand. I haven't seen backhand, <laughs> but like, if you knock me out with a backhand, you are officially the nastiest dude on the planet. If you can knock me out with a backhand, I tell you this: you may not knock me out, but I feel like that increases the likelihood of you getting spun around because you're not going to expect it. You know what I'm saying? Like you brace it on the one side of your face. Next thing you know, it's coming on the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, if I get knocked out, I'm not going to cry. Okay, I'm just going to be because because if I get knocked out, I'm not going to know where I am. But if you slap me that hard, I think it's perfectly acceptable as a grown ass man to cry because like you're just not prepared for that. You're not. Awesome. I'm, I might just go ahead and shed some tears. But but on the falling down, it, wouldn't it be better to like steer into the skid? Right. Like rather than try to fight it to stand up, it's probably better to go down. I, well, that's the thing is that I, I don't think you can. I think that might be you can't dodge. Right. So like rolling with it, there's a fine line between rolling with it and I'm not going to let you slap me, which I want to go ahead. We're so far out onto the limb of absurdity here. I want to go ahead and bring it back and say it's perfectly normal to not want to get the slapped out of you. It's perfectly normal. This is a human intelligent reaction. Okay. The weird thing would be to sit there and let someone do it to you for like five grand, (laughs) which is what's happening here. Yeah, man. Stay in school. Like... (laughs) I just, I just can't. Like, whenever, whenever tra- I see things like trade. that. Learn a trade. Learn a trade. Yeah. Hashtag stay in school, man. Like, like, that, like that's, that's somebody that's given up hope. Like, because it's not the, I mean, the idea that I can get money for slapping people in the face. Hey, man, I might look into that one. That's not the worst way in the world to make a living. The idea that I got to get slapped in the face in return. That's why I went to school. Yeah, so I didn't have to do this. So I can have a job where I talk about people doing this, right? Which I don't know sometimes. If, I mean, that's better than getting slapped in the face, but I'm still slap adjacent in this conversation, <laughs> okay? Which means I probably should have learned a trade and or gotten a professional degree because yes. uh, I'm going to watch this. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to enjoy some of it. I hey, let me tell you this. Uh, you're talking about people don't understand the impact of the slap. I believe that because I think I told you about this. Since I moved to New York, I've been able to go to some boxing matches, right? Get some pretty mm-hmm. good seats um, at the boxing matches. The ESPN does some stuff. My good friend Corey Erdman worked for The Zone. He get me into something. Hey, man, we are really selling the jab short. <laughs> the, the, the jab is bringing a bit more thunder than people understand and realize like that you don't sounds want like an airbag going off yeah yeah you don't want no part and what the other thing is you see that head snap back in person like hd has done a lot for you to understand what some of the smaller things are in boxing but even being there in person it's like oh no 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 this jab ain't no joke um with that in mind the slap is coming with way more wind up than a jab is the jab is that quick turn Right? Mm-hmm. That's slap. They're reaching back to last week to bring it to you. So, yeah, and you get full wind-up on these things. If you have not seen one of these, you get to sit there, pivot with your hand extended in front of you, match up with the face, and then you get to pull all the way back from way behind your ass. You get to just do this massive windmill motion. And that's textbook. That's what you're supposed to do in a slap championship. And a lot of these dudes get staggered. Like, real fast. I say dudes. 
Um, I believe there's going to also be a women slapping division. No, I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not at the place in my journey of gender equity where I'm really just trying to watch that. That's yeah, not... yeah. That's not. This is the this is the Dana White portion. Real gender equity is when I get to sell a slap tournament that embraces both men and women. That's yeah, that's what the argument. No, nah, the people, be. the people, the people ain't really into that. Like, there's a different appetite for say, like ladies gymnastics versus men's gymnastics, or maybe a better comparison, ladies figure skating versus men's figure skating. Right? There are things that we have been socialized to prefer to watch certain people do over others and watching the ladies just slap each other in the face like that you know right fast at the club you know oh that might get you but you ain't trying to watch around i don't think you're also prepared for the size of these people well i was figuring that too no no co co vierna is the guy that i was talking about the mad the the mad hawaiian uh he's six three two seventy eight i want you i want you to think about uh a stack of groceries like that putting his entire hand across your face but i don't no. want to think about that like, no, I don't, no no i don't want to consider it yeah it's it's um but it, listen if if we brought like if if we if we broadcast this then we're firmly back to man versus animal i don't know if you remember fox showing man versus animal mm-hmm. you know where they had a bear that was in a hot dog eating contest against kobayashi yeah at one point and the, my favorite piece of television commentary ever comes from man versus uh animal which is uh when the bear is blazing past kobayashi by the way kobayashi is down something like 50 hot dogs and the bear is eaten something like a hundred and i think it's michael buffer goes the bear doesn't even know he's in a competition <laughs> no he's a bear he's a bear he doesn't understand organized sports. <laughs> you just put hot dogs out there. Yeah, I wish somebody would say that at the Kentucky Derby. They don't even know they it's a know. race. <laughs> this is called Wednesday. No, it's not. It's day. They don't even have the wins. <laughs> this is day for a horse. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Spencer Hall, best college football writer in America. Oh, I know it out when I hear one, baby. Check him out at Channel 6. Check him out on Debatable. Check him out on the SEC Network. Check him out on the Shutdown Fullcast. My man, a pleasure as always. Thanks, sir. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Uh, Adi Khan and Dan Stanchik handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, remember to follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.